Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. But anyways, we're excited to share with you this morning. We get to continue in our series, The Matters of the Heart. Pastor Ryan has done an incredible job the last three weeks sharing some of the other values that we hold as a church. And today we get to look at one of my most personal favorite values is God's word. And I just love, just like how amazing God is, but through all the worship songs and obviously through this video, but just, and, and what, and Shelly's testimony, just hearing the story of what God's word really does when we apply it to our lives. It's just so exciting. And I just love the one song we sing, you know, for I know your thoughts and plans for me are good. And I just love that, that kind of um, struck in my heart as, as I've been preparing um, my half of the message, and then Jesse's going to jump in for the second half, and so we get to take team together. Um, so today's value is God's Word, and the value as a church is that we believe the Bible is infallible, the authority on life, and the perfect truth on how to live this life. We will preach the truth of the Bible without apology and watch as the seed of God's Word transforms lives. But as Jesse and I were talking, I think the most important thing I think that we want to get across today and to communicate this morning is that this is our desire is that this wouldn't only be just like, oh, that's my church's value. They value the word of God, but that this would actually become your value for your life and in your and in the way you think and the way you act, the way you respond, the way your life goes and every decision that you make, that the word of God would be a value for each and every one of us as individuals because it does have the power to transform our life. And so that's our heart's desire for all of us. But it, and so today our key scripture that we're going to look at, and we're going to kind of bounce back to it a few different times, but is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and it says this. Let's read it together. Oh, there it is. For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So let that kind of simmer in your heart for a second. And while it does, I want to ask this question to all of us. Don't raise your hand because I don't want any of us to embarrass ourselves. But how many of us, just answer this to your own heart, <laughs> Why? how many of us find it super challenging to actually read the Bible, to make this like an actual part of our daily rhythm of what we do, who we are? It's a challenge. I know it's a challenge for me. I know that in many conversations I have with a lot of people, it's just hard. It's like, hey, have you read your Bible? Well, not really. And it's, that's often the answer that, that kind of comes. And it's a challenge. And I think it's important to kind of stop for a second and say, like, why is it so hard? Why do I find it so challenging to do something that's actually, like, really healthy for me? And I feel like that kind of falls under all the categories of things that are healthy for us. And, you know, it's like um, like eating well. It's like I could eat this piece of celery or I can eat that jelly donut. and Or I could, you know, watch go to bed early so I feel like super refreshed tomorrow morning, or I can just binge watch just a few more episodes of my Netflix series that I'm watching, or I can, you know, go for a walk and go exercise, or I can just like sit on the couch because I'm so tired and I just feel so much better to sit here. And it's like all of these things that we know are like actually super beneficial for our life and will make us a better person and will create like a clear mind and a clear path and all of these things in our life that we know are so good for us. Why is it so hard to actually do them. And I want to look at that together and kind of talk through some of the whys. What are, what are the, some of the challenges that we sometimes face? Maybe it's we just struggle with self-discipline. I know that that's a big one, right? It's like so many other things happen to like 
get in the way. I know sometimes, I'll be, I'll be honest, sometimes I like go to read my Bible and I, I do my Bible on my phone. And so then I'm like, just going to check a couple little apps first. And I get on my other apps. And then it's like, man, those apps are like so like rabbit trail holes of time-wasting craziness. And I just think, oh my goodness, I've spent so much time rabbit trailing down these different holes because our actually our technology is created and those apps are created to like target specific things that we're interested in. And so it's like, oh my goodness, look at this cool video. And I watch that and then it leads to this other thing. And then you're on this other link and you're like, oh my goodness, I just spent two hours watching nothing that's ever going to benefit my life. And yet I spend so much time doing it. So that, so there's that self-discipline that's like, no, I'm going to do this first. Or maybe it's, we just don't see the value in it. You're like, Stephanie, that book was written so long ago, thousands of years ago, to a people that lived in a totally different part of the world. Like, I just don't see the value in it. We're in Calgary. We're in Canada. It's 2020. Like, is there really value to this book that was written thousands of years ago? Is there really value to what it's saying, to what we're experiencing now today in our culture? Or maybe we just don't want to pick it up for fear that we're going to feel badly about ourselves and we're going to feel convicted about some of the things that are happening in our life. And we just don't really feel like changing because, let's be honest, change is hard. And so we're going to look a little bit more into that, that concept of why change is so hard. But, or we look at it as like maybe you grew up and just saw it as like a book of rules of like telling you what not to do. And you're like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, my husband falls into this category often in our house <laughs> as he slinks down into his seat. Well, I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. Don't tell me what to do, I'll, whatever I feel like. And that's really what our culture teaches us. Like, do what feels good. Do what makes you feel right. Do whatever you feel good. So we read this book that actually challenges every cultural norm that our culture is telling us to accept and to, to feel and to, to, to kind of become who we are. And so the, this word of God actually is often really contrary to all of that. And so it's hard. But why is it so hard? Why don't we read this very thing that could actually transform our lives? Why do we struggle to apply it. And I want to look together at, at James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, and it talks about not just being um, readers of the word, but actually doing what it says. Because I think maybe you're like, no, Stephanie, I got this. I'm self-disciplined. I read my Bible. I read it. I check it off my to-do list for the day. But actually, are we actually like applying it to our heart? So let's read together James chapter 1, 22 to 25. And it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Seems simple, but so hard. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So as we kind of look at this concept of why is change so hard, I began to kind of do some research on this because I just wanted to figure out, like, why is change so hard? Like, the psychology behind it, why... Because I know as every single human being across the planet, we're creatures of habit. We like to kind of do our thing, stick in our habits, stick in our wheelhouse of what is comfortable, what feels good. And change is often really difficult for all of us. And so as we kind of look at, like, why is it so hard to read the Bible, I believe because for it to be meaningful and effective, it requires change on our end. And so... I think that oftentimes we find ourselves resisting change, perhaps because of the perceived risk or fear associated with it. Although we really want to see change and we want to grow and we want to, you know, see kind of breakthrough in our lives, oftentimes when I was doing some research and study on it, oftentimes we start our change 
on a negative circumstance, we're like, oh man, I've got so much fear, or I've got so much pride, or I've got a lot of anxiety, or I'm really angry, and so I need to like change. But actually studies show that when we start our pattern of change and we wanna become changed in that, whatever area it is that you're working on, if we start on a negative point, it's actually gonna decrease our effectiveness in that journey of change. And so I wanna encourage us this morning as Jesse kind of continues in just a minute, but when we're looking at change and we're looking at what God's word can do for us, it's not because he's like, oh, you're bad and so I want you to change, but it's like, no, he is so, his grace is so abounding. He loves you so much and he doesn't want you to change because he thinks you're bad. He desires you to begin to change and allow his word to transform us because he wants so much more for our lives. And so I think that that's so important to, to start on a positive note of like, wow, God loves me so much and he wants to partner with me and then we can see that change catapult. Or maybe we just forget to use some of the helpful tools that we've been given. Like if you're trying to you know, lose weight, it's like, hey, I should probably go to that gym that I pay $50 a month to go to. Uh, <laughs> I love you, honey. It's just too easy this morning. <laughs> $65 a month. Oh, 65? <laughs> Um, you know, it's like actually using the tool that was intended to help bring about change in that way. So maybe we're not using the correct tools or maybe we get frustrated when we don't see that overnight change. You're like, Stephanie, I have tried to bring a Bible before. I read it even three days in a row. Nothing happened. I didn't see any effectiveness from it. So I'm just like, did, tried my best, but it's just not for me. It's not doing what the rest of you all says it does for you. And so we just give up when we don't see overnight change. Or maybe we get so overwhelmed, you look at the big picture of it, and you're like, oh, my life is such a mess, like I can not possibly see how I'm ever going to get out, how I'm ever going to move forward, so we just like get overwhelmed in the, the vastness of what's happening in our life, and then we just get stuck right there, and we, we just, it, it doesn't allow that change to kind of come to pass, when in reality, the Holy Spirit is given to us, and he desires so desperately to fellowship with you as you read scripture to actually illuminate just that very little chunk of that verse that you read that day that he knows that you're ready to hear, that you're ready to apply in your life, right? And so it's, we, sometimes we get lost in that, in the, in, in the ineffectiveness of, the, of how things work and how we've done it, and maybe our history and our past in Bible reading and in applying God's Word just hasn't, we haven't seen that change, and we've gotten stuck, because change is really hard, and I think that's the heart of the matter. When we look at what's the real issue and why don't we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ actually read and then apply God's word to our life it's because it's hard to change and we and change is hard and we even see this with Jesus in John 15 verse 1 to 2 this is Jesus talking and he's talking about himself and God the father and he says I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So this is Jesus talking, and even Jesus, okay, God, his father had to come and prune off and cut off parts of him that, yes, may have looked pretty good, like it was like a nice branch and it has some green leaves, but there wasn't producing any actual fruit in his life. And so God came to do that in Jesus's life, and he wants to continue to do that in our lives. And the tool he's given us to do that is through his word. He wants to come and begin to prune and cut off the things that might look like they're okay, but they're just not great. And he wants so much more for us. And I think that's the heart that I want to kind of portray to all of us today is that God isn't here to condemn us and judge us and say, you have to change. But he's here to say, like, I love you 
you so much. And I've created this wonderful life for you, so much greater. And I see that you're stuck. Let me help you. He's He so wants so badly to come. And sometimes that pruning does hurt a little bit. And sometimes it does. It is an uncomfortable process. But as we allow ourselves to be rooted in God's word and to begin to allow God's word to come into our hearts, it begins to transform who we are because God's word has the power to change your life. And if we look back at our key text in Hebrews 4, chapter 12, it says, for the word of God, I'm going to read it again, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, it cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So this morning, church, the word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is sharp. It has a power to go deep into our soul, into our emotions. It has a power to go deep into our spirit. It exposes and brings to light our deepest thoughts and desires, which is kind of like, whoo, boy, that's a deep one. And it exposes the truth of who we are without God and teaches us the truth of who we are with God. It is supernaturally cutting to the very depths and to the core of who we are. And I think it's really important if we look at that word, that double-edged sword, we often think in our English context of what that word means. We think of like the big, you know, military sword with like that's really a thick piece of metal along. It's kind of got the two sharp edges. And it's meant for battle. It's meant for some like brute force that's kind of, kind of withstand some of that. But when we look at the Hebrew word of what the original context of the scripture, it's actually referring to a smaller fisherman's knife that wasn't necessarily as that long, big sword, but it's actually a smaller knife that was really extremely sharp. And it was specifically used for the, for the fisherman to cut through the different bones and marrows and tendons and different parts of a fish. And I felt like, wow, this really jumped out of for me, because my dear husband is really taking up fishing and is doing such a good job, I will say, catching fish left, right, and center. I love it when he catches them. I'm not so super stoked about when he brings them home to my kitchen to gut them. That part's a little bit disgusting, but he brought some home. And I thought, well, you know, free dinner. I'm all about, I'm cheap, so I love a free dinner. And so that was exciting. So he began to kind of work at this fish with the knives that I have in my kitchen, which I like my knives, I think they're sharp and they work well, but I don't typically butcher an entire animal in my kitchen. And so, um, so Ryan began to, he's like, babe, which is your sharpest knife? So I gave him, I'm like, oh, that one is like a really good one. That's really sharp. So he pulls it out and he's like, this is not working. This is not cutting through these like disgusting bones and gross things that were coming out of that fish. And so he was using that one. No, it's not good. What's, what's another good knife? So I was like, oh, try this red one. This one's really good. So he was using five knives later, he kind of sort of got the job done. It looked pretty good from what we could see with our eyes. And so we threw it on the barbecue and then we ate it. And it was delicious, babe. But there were so many bones left in that fish. And I just realized, man, he just didn't have the right tool. He didn't have the correct tool to do the job for what it was intended for. He, my knives were not intended to cut through all of that part of a fish so it comes delicious without bones like it does when I buy it from Costco. It was just full of bones still. And I think... That that's what the Lord began to speak to my heart is like, are we using the right tool, which is God's word? Are we using, there's so many tools out there that are really good. Like a great, you know, there were great knives that I use for what I need to use them for. But, you know, there's some great podcasts out there, great books. They're all good. But when we really want to see transformation, when we really want to see change in our life, the only tool that was actually specifically designed for that very purpose is God's word. Because it can cut and it can get to the very core of who we are and expose every 
hurtful thing maybe that's happened to us or maybe some deceitful thoughts that are within our heart. I know we all have them. I do too. But there's all of that that's within us. And the only tool that we've been given that is 100% effective in getting to the core of who we are is God's word. It divides between what is you and what is God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to shine his light, to expose us to the very heart of who we are. But I think some of us sometimes are like a little bit afraid to allow God to kind of see the real depths of who we are. But I want to encourage you today, that is not the God that we serve. We don't have to be afraid or ashamed of who we are. He came and he sent his one and only son to die for us while we were still sinners. He's not afraid of the yucky and the, and the dirty and the gross mess of who we are and what's really deep inside of our hearts. He came to bring life and to come, and he doesn't come to condemn, but to bring life. He has such an abundant life for each and every one of us, and the way that we get to experience that is through reading God's word. Being a studier of God's word is ultimately a matter of our heart. And I want to ask us this question before Jesse comes, is that what have we given our heart to? Have we truly allowed our heart to be captivated by Jesus? And when I think of the word captivated, I think of, you know, maybe it's when you first fell in love with your spouse, or maybe it's this like super cool hobby that you're really into and you just want to know all the ins and outs of it. Maybe you're into rock climbing, you want to know all the angles and different pieces of it so that you can be successful and going up that rock cliff, or maybe you're just dating for the first time, or think back to when you first fell in love, and you're captivated by that person. You want to get to know who they are. You want to know what makes them happy, what makes them relax, what makes them upset. You want to know ins and outs of them, because you're captivated by who they are. And I believe that the way that we can experience and know Jesus and be captivated by him is through reading his word. We want to get to know who God is and be truly captivated by him. Come on, so good stuff. Jesus wants to captivate our hearts. And so why? Why does God want us to go through this process of, um, oh, how do I? I'm not technology. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> there we go. Okay. <laughs> That's not as fast or don't worry. Um, <laughs> so why does God want to take us through this process of cutting to the core of who we are and captivating our hearts so that we're in love with him. It's because he wants us to be daily rooted in who he is. And he wants us to daily experience this abundance and blessed and rich life that he wants for us. He doesn't want us to sell ourselves short for things that don't really matter, aren't really worth anything, but he actually wants us to be rooted in him and to be rooted in this blessed and abundant life that he has for us. So let's check this out in Psalm 1. It says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way that sinners take, but who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind blows away. So we're going to take this kind of psalm, and we're going to take it one little chunk at a time to really understand why is it so important to value God's word? What is this process of being rooted in God's word every single day look like? So let's start with the word delights. And so this is the Hebrew word hapez. Say it with me, hapez. Hapez. Come on, you guys are good. I don't know Hebrew, so you guys know better than me so far. Okay, which, so this Hebrew word hapez means to take pleasure or enjoyment. It is your desire, your very great pleasure. So when we look at valuing the word of God, it's not just something that we know is good. So we do it to tick it off of our to-do list because we want to be good and stay in God's kind of like 
good graces, but it's actually something that we desire and that we pl- it pleases us. It's our joy and our pride to open God's word and to hold it close and to read the very word that God has written to you to speak to you every single day. So it's not just a good thing in your life, but it's actually a main thing in your life. That's what it means to delight in God's word. It's, it's a main thing in your life. So blessed is the one who delights It's the main thing in the law of the Lord, and he meditates day and night on it. And the word meditates here is the Hebrew word haggah. Say it with me. Haggah. I think I heard like Pastor Ryan and Andrew here. Let's say it again. Let's say it with me. Haggah. There it is. Perfect. It's like huzzah. Yeah. (laughs) Haggah. Okay. Which means to ponder, to give serious thought and consideration to something. So when we meditate on God's word, it's not just reading it and then letting it hit our face, slide off, and we put it back down, but we're actually choosing to think about it, to consider what does this quality characteristic of God actually mean? What does it mean that God is omnipotent or almighty? What does it mean that God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son? And we choose to think about it. And so instead of just reading the word and then putting it beside our cozy, comfy chair underneath an empty cup of coffee and leaving it there, We're choosing to take it with us throughout the day, and we're inviting the Word of God to come along with us to to apply it to our life and to impact our life in ways that 30 minutes in the morning can't do, but it's a day-long journey of thinking about, what did I just read? What does it mean? Who is God? Who am I? Based on that one verse that really stuck out to me. So you're choosing to ponder it, to give serious thought to it, and then notice the rhythm of it. It's day and night. It's a constant, habitual practice of valuing God's word, of reading God's word, and thinking God's word. And so we can kind of get into this kind of rhythm where Sundays are awesome. We're singing the word of God and praising him, and we're hearing the word, and we can feel like this, wow, I know who God is, and I know who I am. But then the Monday comes, and we kind of still can kind of feel it. We're like, yeah, yesterday was so great, so good. But then the Tuesday comes, and the Wednesday comes, and we kind of start feeling like, who am I again? What was that experience on Sunday like? I forget who God is. God, are you really good? Why am I going through this struggle right now? Why is life sucking right now? Am I actually who you say I am? Because we didn't make it this daily habitual practice because God's will for you isn't just to experience him and to know him on a Sunday and expect that to take coast you throughout the week, but he wants you to know him and he wants to speak to you and impact your life every single day so that you can live in the realities of this blessed and abundant life every day and not just on a Sunday, or not just at a really cool conference where the music is bumping, but every single day, he wants that to be a reality in your life. Come on. And so when we have this habitual practice of reading and valuing God's word and thinking about it, it keeps us rooted by streams of living water. And so what is this living water that we see? What does it mean? Do we actually have a water that just flows through our living room magically? No, it's in John 4 verses 13 to 14. This is the story of the woman at the well who's going to the well to fetch some water for her house in the middle of the day and she meets Jesus and Jesus asks her for a drink of water and she's like, okay, like kind of weird, you're Jew, I'm, I'm not, but okay. But then Jesus tells her, anyone who drinks of this water from the well will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, a bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
So Jesus tells us that he is the stream of living water. So when we are rooted in God's word and when we are rooted beside the stream of living water, it means that we are rooted in Jesus, this Jesus who loves us, this Jesus who valued us so much that he gave up his own life so that you could have your eternal life with Jesus, this Jesus who says that you are worthy, that you are capable, that you are loved, that you can see be redeemed and victor victorious and cherished, cherished. We are rooted in this reality of who Jesus is. And so then we see that when we are rooted, we bear fruit in every season. We're not defined by the circumstances of our lives. We're not defined by the hard days. And we're not defined by the good days either, where we feel like we've got the, the world is our oyster and we've got life all together and we're rocking it. And we're not defined by the bad days where life sucks and we don't know who we are anymore and people are saying bad things about us or that promotion didn't come or we are having fights with our spouses or our fiancés or our siblings all day, every day. We're not defined by those days anymore, but we'll have this supernatural joy, this supernatural peace that'll flow out of us because we're not getting our definition from the world. We're not getting our definition from how life is going, but we're getting our definition from the stream of living water that is Jesus. That's what it means to be rooted every single day in the word of God. And so I wanna take a, just a brief moment and let's look at this opposite picture that the psalm says at the very end. It says, but the wicked, those who walk in the way of the sinners, those who go their own way, they do, you do you. They kind of do and say whatever everybody else is saying. They're going with the trends of the world. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. So we have this picture of two realities. This first reality of being rooted in Jesus means that you know who you are. You know who he is and you know, you know who you are in him. But then there's this opposite reality without God's word. When you don't know who you are, when you're not rooted, you don't feel secure. Whatever happens in life seems to take you. So on the Sunday, you feel great. But on the Tuesday, when you crash your car or on the Tuesday, when you're, you get laid off from work or on the Tuesday, when you break up with your boyfriend or your spouse tells you that you want a divorce, all of a sudden you're swept away and you're like, who am I? God, who are you? So there's these two realities, and I want you to know today that this reality, this reality of being chaff that is blown by the ways of this world, by what people are saying and the trends or the fears and the anxieties and insecurities of this world, this is not what God wants for you. This is not his will for your life, for you to be wondering who he is and who you are and to be wandering through the wilderness feeling like, that freedom that you experienced on Sunday can't be applied on the Tuesday. But God, has, his will for you is this reality, this rooted in God's word, where there's streams of life and living water. We can show you who he is and who you are every day so that you can experience and express life abundantly. And real quick before we end, I just want to share this story of God's people in the promised land. Um, we see this generation, Moses' generation. God spoke to them and said, I want to free you from slavery, from bondage, from captivity, from oppression. And I'm sure some of us may be feeling like that today, where you feel oppressed or in bondage of an old habit or a lie that somebody spoke over you, saying that you're unworthy or that you're a mistake or whatever has been said over you, and you feel like you're in bondage to that. But God spoke to his people and was like, I want to free you. But the thing is, is you have to be willing to follow me. You have to be willing to do what I tell you to do because I know the way to the promised land. You don't, unfortunately. <laughs> you don't know how to get there. 
So he's saying, but you have to follow me. So then Moses leads his people, and at first they're gung-ho. They're like, woo, God is awesome. He parted the Red Sea. He's done the impossible for us. But they're faced with challenge after challenge after challenge. And as those challenges come, they choose to look away from the promise that God had given them. They chose to look away from what God wanted from their life and how God had told them to follow him. And they chose to go the way of the world. They worship false idols. They chose to get angry and bitter and frustrated. And so at the end of their story in Moses' generation, they're at the edge of this promised land. And God's like, guys, you can't go in. You didn't listen to me. You didn't choose my way. You didn't trust that I had what is best for you. But in every single time when things get tough, you chose to go your own way. My abundance isn't for you if you're not going to trust me and obey me and follow me. So then once Moses' generation dies, God speaks to this new young leader, Joshua. And he says this in Joshua chapter 1. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river. It's going to be this great place with defined definition of where you're going to live. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then he says, be strong and courageous, but be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it right or to the left so that you can be successful where you go. Keep this book of the law. Keep my word always on your lips. Meditate on it. There's the word. Consider it. Think about it day and night habitually so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be, you will be prosperous and successful. So come on, so Joshua's generation is about to enter into the promised land, this abundant life that God had willed and wanted for generations before. For thousands of years and hundreds of years, God wanted this for his people. And so they're about to walk into it, and God gives them one key to being able to enter and to stay there and to live there every single day of their lives where nobody can stand against them, no lie can stand against them, no challenge can stand against them, no enemy, no person who wants to hurt them can stand against them. And this one key is to value and to keep God's word all the days of their life. God's word had to be the main thing in their lives and throughout their journey. They had to choose to let it correct them when they're wrong to show them, oh, that's actually from you. That's not from me. I don't want that from you. And they had to choose to be willing to walk in it, even though it may be uncomfortable and not what they would choose from themselves. They had to choose to stay rooted in the truth of who God was so that they could remember that their God was with them, that their God loved them, that their God had saved them. The same God who brought them out of Egypt is the same God who's going to keep them in the blessed and promised land. And so that's the same truth for you guys today is that when you stay rooted in God's word and you value it and cherish it, every single day of your life, you're going to be rooted in Jesus, rooted in who God is, and rooted in this abundant life where you can just have supernatural joy and peace and provision and protection over your life so that no matter what happens, you're not affected by it because you know who your God is and you know who he says you are. But it all starts with this one reality of letting Jesus captivate your heart and choosing to walk and to value in his word every day of your life. Come on, Pastor Ryan's going to come pray for us. Oh, what a powerful word today. My goodness. 
Oh, why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray. Holy Spirit, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for such an amazing tool. The inspired word of God that cuts down to the depths of who we are. And Lord, today, my prayer would be for every person in the room today, the Lord, that no matter where they're at on their journey with you, whether they're new followers of you, old followers of you, maybe here today, not a follower at all, that you would captivate their hearts afresh and anew. Lord, I pray that you would cause their hearts to be passionate for your word. The Lord, maybe the old law and religion of keeping the word and having to read this much, this many times, this many times a day, Lord, that they'd be free from the, the law of it, but would be liberated by the life of your word, Father. We just pray, Lord, for a deep, deep passion for the word of God to permeate every single soul in this place today, every single heart by the power of your name. Come on, with every eye closed, you're in the place today and you would like to give your life to Christ. You'd like to give your life to Jesus today and want to start a journey with him. Come on, I just as I'm looking around the room, just real quickly, all you got to do is place your hand in the air. Come on, we exist here to reach people who don't know the Lord and to help make disciples of Christ. And you're here today and you don't know if you've made a personal confession to follow Christ. Would you just place your hand in the air real quick so I can see it today? Come on, amen. God, we just want to say thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence today, God. Thank you that everyone here today confesses your name, Lord, is the Lord of their life. And I pray that today will be a new day of a new journey with you where they are passionately and, and, and uh, purposefully, uh, Lord, in your word, knowing you better in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together and thank Jesse, Pastor Jesse and Pastor Stephanie for a great word today. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.